um, and bow your heads and join with me in a word of opening prayer. Gracious loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks whatever two or more of us are gathered, there you will be. We give you thanks that we have this opportunity to come into your house, to kneel in your presence, to soak in your spirit. And so, loving God, may this time be holy time. May this ground be holy ground. Whether we are here in person, whether we are joining in online, however this worship service, whenever this worship service, wherever this worship service is happening, God, may this be at least the one time this week where we see your face where we know your presence, where we are open to your transformation in our lives. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious, loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that we can make this joyful noise to you, God. We give you thanks that you move in us no matter how old we are or how young we are. We can find strength and power, and joy in your presence. We can know that you are moving in our lives, and we can sing our praises in return. And so, God, yes, we sing those praises for all the ways you have moved in us and transformed us. But, God, we also come to you with hearts that are heavy, with places we are hurting, with brokenness that is still in the world. And so, God, uh, we lift up to you now Ray Kidd, uh, who is a member of the Springfield uh, congregation. Uh, he is back in the hospital with a lung infection after COVID. Um, and so, God, we pray for Ray. We pray for his healing. It has been such a long journey already, and it is sounding like he has a long journey ahead of him. We lift up uh, the walk to Emmaus that is happening right now, uh, the men's walk that is happening right now, and particularly um, uh, Jack and Chris, um, our two pilgrims that are on that walk. We lift up uh, the women's walk uh, that is coming up next week, and our two pilgrims who are going on that, uh, which is Melissa and Donna McCord. God, we pray, we are give you thanks for all the ways that this ministry has already blessed. Um, and God, we pray that it is a continued blessing. We lift up Bila's brother who is very ill and in the hospital. God, we pray for his healing. God, we lift up John um, Hafner who is now in a, in a nursing home in Bullard um, for rehab. Um, and so God, we pray that he is able to make progress. God, we pray that he is able to find his way back to full strength, that this may be the thing he needs to fully recover from the strokes, from all the suffering that has been in his life over the past few months. And God, we lift up Bila um, as she continues to navigate that as well. God, we lift up Sandra, who is suffering from pancreatic cancer. God, we pray for her. Continue to ask for your healing miracle to work in her life. God, we give you thanks that our online ministry is able to reach so many that's now also reaching out into the TDCJ support group. God, we give you thanks that you give us avenues to reach people that we may never even meet in person. Uh, but God, we can know that your word is reaching far. We lift up Charles uh, Wood, uh, the son, uh, son-in-law of Ron and Lori Averett, uh, who is recovering from a stroke and now has an infection and is back in the hospital. God, uh, we pray for Charles. Uh, God, uh, we pray for the infection. We pray for his recovery from the stroke. Uh, we pray for his doctors and his nurses. God, we pray that he may be fully healed. God, we lift up uh, the situation, um, the war that is happening um, in Ukraine right now. We lift up, in particular, uh, the people of Ukraine. We lift up also the NATO forces um, that are now deployed just on the other side of the Ukrainian border. Uh, God, we pray uh, for peace. God, we pray for safety. God, we pray for this, particularly for the civilians who are caught in the middle of it. Um, but God, we pray truly uh, for your peace. We also lift up our dear sister, Amanda, uh, who is in need of prayer. 
Uh, and God, we lift up the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, even as there is now a war and a pandemic. Uh, God, we come to you knowing that so much of our world is in need of healing, in need of your hand. And so, God, we pray for your peace. God, we pray for your healing. God, we pray for your hand, not just to happen, for we know it does, but we pray for us to be able to see it um, so that we can know you are with us, even in a world of turmoil and suffering. And God, we pray for this church and us as your people, that we may be a part of those hands and feet of yours that we may hear you moving in our lives, that we may know the second chance love that we have found in you, the second chance love that is always there for us, and that we may be a part of telling the world what God, what you can do, the transformation that can happen if only folks will let you in. In Jesus' most holy name we pray, amen. Y'all may be seated. I invite the children to come forward uh, for a message prepared just for them. Am I there? Where am I? Which mic am I on? Okay. Okay, so let me tell you a story. So at some point in Jesus' ministry, he looked at his friends that are called his disciples, who have been traveling along with him. And he said, okay, I've been showing y'all the ropes. I've been showing y'all what to do. Let me now send y'all out and say, y'all heal people, y'all drive out demons, y'all teach others about me, about what God can do. And so they went out and, 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 they, and they, did pretty, they did a pretty good job with it. But then they came back, kept following Jesus, and one day a guy who had a demon in him needed this demon driven out. But the disciples said, oh no, I can't do this one. I don't have the power. Jesus, Jesus, you need to do this one. I, I, I can't do this one. And Jesus healed the guy and, and drove out the demon, and that wasn't a problem. But then he looked at the disciples and told them, yes, you can, because you have my power that is within you. And one of the ways that Jesus showed the disciples his power is what's called the transfiguration. What that means is he took some of his best friends and he took them up onto a mountain and there his face shined and his robes shined. The voice of God spoke, this is my son, the beloved, my chosen, you need to follow him. And so in the children's packets, y'all have glow sticks um, so that you too uh, may glow with the love and power of God. That when you think to yourselves, I can't do something. I don't have the strength. I can't do something. I don't have the power. Yes, you do, because that light of God shines within you as well. You guys pray with me? Everyone's okay? Let me gather. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your power into our lives. God, may we shine with your love. May we do mighty things with your strength. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Good job, friend. Our scripture this morning comes from the gospel according to Luke, then chapter 9, uh, verses 28 through 43a. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which was about to be accomplished at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with them. Just as they were leaving, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then the cloud came in a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen, listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent in those days and told no one anything about what they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just then a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you, look at my son. He's my only child. Suddenly a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the greatness of God. Say is God's good word for us, God's beloved people. Thanks be to God. So, it recently came to my attention that my daughter knows how to walk. She just doesn't know it yet. But she knows how to do it. And I don't just mean, as, as you see in that picture there, of her, you know, pulling up on something or, you know, cruising from thing to thing. When she really wants to get somewhere and she's holding something and makes it hard for her to, to lean on something, she's able to stand and she is able to move, no problem. It just hasn't switched into her brain that that is walking. Can she walk? Yes. Absolutely. The only thing that is holding her back is that her understanding that she can. And this is, this is not just babies, because uh, she's not technically a baby. She is whatever you are when you're nearly 14 months old. Uh, she, whatever, that's not just 14 months old that are actually capable of doing something, um, even if they don't use the power that they are actually capable of doing. I'm often, as a professional public speaker, I'm often reminded of, uh, of a Jerry Seinfeld built for, bit from a million years ago. I don't know if this is true, but this is certainly good, true enough for the purposes of comedy. What Jerry Fein Seinfeld says is that when you're at a funeral, you have to realize that most people fear public speaking more than they fear death. And so what that means is the person who's getting in, giving the eulogy would rather be in that coffin uh, than up on stage giving the eulogy. Do you want to know what's true 
I've talked to almost all of y'all this morning. I have made verbal contact with almost everyone. At some point in our, my life, I have talked to literally every single person in this room. Here's the grand secret. All of y'all are capable of public speaking. Every single one of y'all right now is capable of getting up here and giving some version of what I am doing now. Y'all are physically capable. All of y'all are able to talk. All of y'all are able to stand for at least a few minutes at a time, and we have several lovely stools up here that can be used for sitting, I am told. The only thing that keeps most people from public speaking is all in here. It's nothing to do with this. The actual act of doing it is no different than talking to one person. And so if you can talk to one person, you can talk to five people, you can talk to 10 people, you can talk to 100, you can talk to 1,000, you can talk to 10,000, you can talk to 100 million people live on television. The actual act of doing it is something that everyone has the power. What keeps me employed as a public speaker is the fact that most people get in here when they get up on stage, and I was sadly born without whatever gene that triggers that. All about your thoughts when you get up there. But each of you has the power to be a public speaker. Now, I've learned tricks and techniques and whatever, but the simple act of it is people are more afraid of doing it than they are incapable of doing it. Most humans, the vast majority of us, have the ability to be public speakers if only we would use the power that is at our hand. As a guy who has spent my life specializing in church turnaround, this is also true about churches. I have been dealt two churches in my life. I have been given two churches in similar locations and of similar size. One made it, thrived, and grew, and one did not and is slowly fading away. And the only difference between those two churches is that one church believed in their hearts that God was still with them, which God is, and that they could grow. And one church stopped believing that God was with them and they couldn't grow. And with that attitude, you're right, you never will. Both of these churches were truly in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by fields and cows. Both of these churches had a worship attendance of somewhere between 35 and 42, which is, you know, a good number, but not a thousand people. Both of these churches were relatively financially stable. Uh, both of these churches had deep roots in their community, if only they would use them. But one made it and thrived, and one didn't. There was no other external circumstance different other than understand one understood the power they had available to them and one would not believe they had that same power so much of life whether you are a 14 month old learning to walk whether you are public speaking whether you are a church whether you are trying to change your life whether you're trying to lose weight whether you're trying to do anything that is good in the world if you believe you cannot do it you are right you can't but if you believe, you can do it. And what you are trying to do is in line with who God wants you or your community to be. You would be surprised of what you can accomplish. Because the glory of God, the presence of God, the ongoing support of the Holy Spirit is present in your life and in this world right now. The story of the transfiguration is interesting to me, partly because it is just this beautiful image of God at work and who Jesus really is. And it is this like mountaintop experience. 
But both in Matthew's gospel and the, the section from Luke's gospel that we read today, it is immediately followed by the disciples failing to heal somebody and Jesus having to step in in their stead. But the transfiguration itself is this grand revelation of God's glory, that Jesus Christ is not just some traveling teacher. He is a traveling teacher, but he's also far more than that. He is actually the very Son of God and presence of the Lord. That is what is happening in this glorious, swirling moment. I'll give you just two selections from it, uh, verses 28 and 29, and then jumping down to verse 35. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his, his clothes became dazzling white. Jumping down to verse 35. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. God claims Jesus audibly once again. His face shines with the glory of God. Moses and Elijah show up to show that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the fulfillment of the prophets and God among us. It is showing the real power of what we are dealing with here. When we talk about being a follower of Christ, when we talk about being a Christian, what that means is we have let the glory, very glory and presence of God, the Almighty, the All-Powerful, into our lives. We are playing with fire. We are playing with power. We are interacting with the very presence of God who also formed the universe from a thought. It's a heck of a friend to have. That's what it really means to what a friend we have in Jesus. We are not singing this song today. Uh, this is what it means to what a friend we have in Jesus. Yeah, the creator of the universe is your friend. You've got a lot of power at your back. This gets paired. Apparently immediately after this mountaintop experience, Jesus has to drop down back in to the crushing grind of ministry where gets to the bottom of the mountain wakes up the next morning, and there's a problem at his doorstep. There's this man who has a child who is possessed by a demon. Probably, if this was the modern day, this might actually be a mental health challenge, might be a demon. Who knows? What is demons? It is this kid's got a real problem and needs some real, like, tangible help. And in approaching Jesus, the father is kind of desperate because he'd sought help from the disciples and that didn't work out for him. Picking up, excuse me, uh, verses uh, 40 and 41. This is the father talking first. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, you faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I bear with you? Bring your son here. And Jesus is able to cast out this demon, no problem. He's Jesus. But why does Jesus express frustration? Or rather, at least, who is Jesus frustrated with? Is Jesus frustrated with the man, uh, with the son that is convulsing from a demon? Is that who this perverse generation is? No, probably not. This guy had enough faith to seek out Jesus, Jesus' disciples, and then seek out Jesus himself. So, and we're told to come to the Lord with our problems. And, and so, no, that guy is actually showing a fair amount of faith. Uh, to bring this huge problem that's weighing on him and his family to Christ. 
Is Jesus talking about the crowd that sought him out? No. Sometimes Jesus does try to get some alone time away from the crowd. You would too if you had to change the whole world in three years. Um, but that's probably not what it's about. And so the only logical target of Jesus' frustration is the disciples. Because they told the guy, we are not able to cast it out. And you might be thinking, man, Jesus, that's not fair. I know you are literally the arbiter of what is fair and what is not. You are Jesus, but that doesn't feel fair because it's not like they're ready. This is only chapter 9 in the book of Luke. It's not until Acts chapter 2 that all these chuckleheads are really in charge. They haven't learned the trick, tricks of the trade yet. Except, see in, uh, in chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, Jesus sends the disciples out on a trial run, um, and it says, Then Jesus called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over, and I quote, all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, not even an extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. Wherever they do not welcome you as you are leaving that town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They departed and went to the villages, bringing the good news and curing diseases. That is, we're going to have a lovely visual that will not play well on camera. That is here. This is the header of chapter 9. Where I was reading, where they failed to heal the guy of the demon, right there. One page later. Same section. Same chapter. 35, only 35 verses separate those two things. They were told they have the power. Peter, James, and John are shown the degree to which Jesus is the all-powerful son of God. And they still didn't think they could do it. But that's because of them, not because they actually lacked the power. It is because they did not believe they had the power. Jesus didn't lie when he said, I give you power over all demons. He's Jesus. He's literally the way, the truth, and the life. They had it in their heads. No, 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 this problem is too big for us. I can't do this one. I mean, I know I've just seen the transformed son of God, but I, I, this is too much. And they passed it off to Jesus. And so you can understand why Jesus prods them and goes, how much longer are y'all going to be like this? You realize I'm not going to be here forever. I'm trying to prepare you for a world without me in it physically. Y'all need to get this together. Y'all can do this. Anyone who's ever taught or taught children or, you know, led a congregation understands this feeling. Y'all can do this. They can't. They have the power. They simply don't believe they do. It's not a lack of power. It's a lack of belief of what that power can really do. We are actually interacting with the very glory and power of God. The power that we have at our back, the wind that we have at our sails, is that voice that spoke there, claiming God, as, claiming Christ as God's Son, is the glory that shone from Christ's face and robes. We have the power to do anything God calls on us to do. 
We have the power to change our lives in line with who God wants us to be. We have the power to be a part of God's mighty transformation of the world. If only we would understand the power we have available to us to transform and be transformed. Now, I don't know if any of y'all have been watching TV this week or, you know, got news on your phone. But this world will often deal us reminders that will make us feel lost and powerless. This week, Russian troops rolled into the sovereign nation of Ukraine and started a war. Now, this is not a sermon on geopolitics. If you want a very detailed description of Ukrainian politics, talk to me after class. I had to write about Ukraine in college a lot for my undergraduate thesis. So I have some attachment to the region. But for a lot of us, the idea of war in Europe is something we read about in the history books or for the, the oldest among us, experienced when we were very small children. We thought that was over. We thought that one of the ways we could look at the world as a better place is like, yes, Europe used to get into a bad war every quite a periodicity of every 20 years, and that hasn't happened since 1945 until Thursday when tanks rolled across the border from Russia into the Ukraine. And so, yes, we absolutely, as I did in the pastoral prayer, I will call upon us all to pray for Ukraine to pray for its citizens. Already over 120 Ukrainian civilians um, have been killed in this conflict, um, and that will no doubt, oh, that number will no doubt only rise. They are standing up. They are standing up for their country, and we need to pray for them and do what we can to support those people caught in the midst of great powers trying to sort their stuff out. It's a great line in Hinduism that I'm going to borrow in a Christian sermon. Um, that is, when the elephants get in a fight, it's the grass that gets trampled. We should pray for the grass. We should pray for the people of the Ukraine. But it is that stark reminder that the world can deal us, that can make us feel utterly powerless, and can make us feel like the world is moving backwards instead of moving forwards. Do not believe that lie. Yes, the problems of this world are huge. Yes, they are. There's a war in Ukraine, and that is serious. It's terrifying, and that should hurt our souls because we have love and compassion for all people, whether we speak the same language or from the same place as them or not. We are still a people empowered by the glory of and presence of God. That power that shone from Jesus' face and robes there on that mountain, that voice that declared, this is my son, the chosen, do what he says, that creator of the universe, that God who died and rose on the third day, that is the friend we have. That is the power at our back. That is the person that gives us the ability to do anything. That is still true. That's still true today as it was on Thursday, as it was on Wednesday, as it was 2,000 years ago, as it will be 2,000 years from now. That our power is not in ourselves. On our own, you're right. It's all too big for us. And Lord knows I don't know how to solve a war. But God does. And luckily, God has more hands than just mine. We're really lucky for that, actually. Whew. 
we too can be transformed people. And we too can be the transformers of the world. Neither of which can we do on our own. I'll be the first to tell you that. We need God. But hear the good, capital G, good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. God sent God's power into the world. That glory that was revealed on that mountaintop didn't stay on that mountaintop. 50 days after Easter, it came down as the Holy Spirit and runs wild through our world now. And so we can be transformed. If you think, man, I just keep stumbling and keep stumbling. I can't do this. You're right. And with that attitude, you never will. With the power and glory of God working within you, you can. Because you have the most powerful friend in the universe helping you become that transformed being. Kick that addiction. Let go of that whatever sin that is chaining you. Heal whatever relationship is broken. Forgive whatever forgiveness you are withholding, right? God can do that if you let God be the power that drives you. And when we look at the problems of this world, and they are massive. And every time I flip open my phone, I see more tanks rolling into places. I'm terrified. But I have to remember that that power that God sent to transform me, God also continues to send into me and to all of us and all two billion and growing number of Christians around the world. That glory that was revealed there, that's the power we have access to. And so like my 14-month-old daughter, who doesn't know she can walk even though she has the power, we have that power to do mightier things than we can imagine. Let's do it. Let's let that power in. Let's be transformed. And let us be a part of the transformation. Let us pray. Gracious living God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that you love us. We give you thanks that you sent your son to die for us. We give you thanks that you stick around in the power of your Holy Spirit. We give you thanks that we can have the most powerful friend imaginable. God, may we treat you like a friend. May we let you be the one who carries our loads, who works in our hearts, who powers our ministries. May we listen to your word, listen to the inclination you place in our hearts. May we be transformed by your power. May we not let the enemy, not let evil tell its great lie that we are powerless. Instead, may we truly know your power, believe in your power, and let your power drive us to things we never could have believed possible. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. There is unlimited power. If only we will let it into our lives and believe that we can by the glory of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.